Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The CV Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. Sucky. (laughs) Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The C.V. Report. Welcome to the CV Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And today we're going to hear about the latest scam that's targeting veterans. They somehow managed to get military members to buy gift cards and contribute money to vehicles that didn't even exist. The medical issues that the VA is now saying qualifies veterans for disability benefits. So a few of the ones that really stick out are things like leprosy, malaria, plague, syphilis, tuberculosis. And our special guest today is retired Brigadier General Don Baldick. We'll talk with him about the groundbreaking procedure that just might be the missing link in properly treating post-traumatic stress. I went through therapy myself because my wife drew a line in the sand. I was always hypervigilant. I was uh, impatient. I was always in a bad mood. I wasn't sleeping. I just wasn't a nice guy to be around. I didn't really care because the effect of it was so good. It's going to drive down the suicide rate. It's going to do a lot of things. It confuses me why something that is so obvious isn't embraced. All right, and like we do at the top of the podcast, we'll run through some news that you can use as a military veteran. And uh, here's our reporter, Libby Howe, to talk to us about a scam alert. Libby, how you doing? Good. How are you, Phil? I'm all right. But uh, when I hear scam alert, I get a little nervous. And frankly, the veteran community is frequently targeted for these kinds of scams, especially as you get into the retirement age veterans. So uh, talk to me. What do we need to know about this one? Well, you're not the only one who thinks that you're being targeted by scammers. A Better Business Bureau study came out that said service members are more likely than civilians to become victims of fraud. Uh, Most recently, this article looks at Exchange Inc. Hmm. claiming to act as a middleman between service members for vehicle purchases. So APHES came out and clarified that they don't act as middlemen for vehicle purchases. They don't even sell vehicles. So if you're approached by someone that claims that they're going to help you buy a vehicle from APHES or Exchange Inc., you're getting scammed. And they somehow managed to get military members to buy gift cards and contribute money to vehicles that didn't even exist. So they seem like they know what they're doing. Might be something you want to keep an eye out for. 
Let's look beyond the story here for just a sec. Um, how do you think they're targeting these people? I mean, are these all people that are on an AFI's mailing list, or do you just think they're gonna they're just looking at zip codes near military bases and saying, you know, let's just throw out enough of these scam letters and see if anybody bites? I would almost guess looking at zip codes, looking at military areas, and recently, haven't there been? I know I have USAA, and they're really good at telling me when there's something fishy going on in my accounts. But I feel like those mailing lists are pretty easy to get a hold of in mm. the age of computer technology. So if you're targeting other other organizations that have a lot of interaction with military personnel, then you're going to have the type of people that are shopping at exchanges that are familiar with the exchange. And honestly, I was I grew up on military bases, so I see the exchange logo and I think, oh, safe place, no taxes, I can get my stuff here, and I don't pay that much attention to that logo. So if you came at me with an exchange ink versus an exchange logo, I'd probably fall for it. Mm. So the moral of the story is AFIs and military exchanges are not selling cars. Right. There's no middleman. You don't need to go to your exchange to buy a new car. There's plenty of car dealers right off post that'll rip you off just the same. And they're going to end up in the lemon lot when you deploy anyway, so might as well just not buy a vehicle. Wait until later. All right. Exchange, not selling cars. And uh, it's always important, I think, we remind the audience of the top scam among military and military veterans and that is the hot girl that wants to date you online i knew you were gonna find a way to sneak that in there (laughs) she's not real either libby howe always good thank you for keeping us informed thanks phil now next on the news desk is our capitol hill reporter miss abby bennett how are you abby just peachy phil how are you i'm good i'm good Now, I'm interested in the story that you reported on earlier this week. Look for the headline, VA just updated its disability rating schedule for these health concerns. Putting it bluntly, you could be collecting disability if you got certain diseases while you were in the service, right? Absolutely. Talk to me about what's on this list. The VA has released new infectious diseases, immune disorders, and nutritional deficiencies that now qualify for disability. Hmm. Let's go over some of them because it's a pretty long list. I want to say in your article, you've got what, like 15, 20 different things. Um, let's go over a few of them. So a few of the ones that really stick out are things like leprosy, malaria, plague, syphilis, tuberculosis. Wow. Leprosy, I think of like the Middle Ages, right? Uh, I guess people still contract that depending on where you've been stationed or that's that's a thing. Okay. It is. Uh, malaria, is that something that, like you have to be suffering from the disease at the moment right now? Or if you've previously had malaria, and let's just say that you got better, you can now report that and say that you had once contracted malaria and now you're entitled to a disability rating. So it really depends on the particular illness. For some, you have to have it now and it has to be imp- impacting your daily life. For others, you may have had it and you got better, but it left some complications and oh. some lasting effects. Okay. Um, so I think that's generally how it goes is right. if your daily life is affected, if you have a kind of disability that affects your ability to function mm-hmm. um, or your quality of life, then that is when VA compensates you for things mm. like that. And it's notable under some of the autoimmune disorders here too, because I know just from family experience that Lyme disease Right. Can have one hell of a lingering effect and you might not be suffering from the actual Lyme disease condition at that moment, but its after effects include autoimmune disorders, which can be crippling. 
Let's talk about what else is on the list. I see things like other parasitic diseases. There's so many on here I can't even begin don't, to pronounce. Don't forget the plague. Plague. <laughs> the fact that it just says plague makes me think of like, you know, well, you need to go see the wizard <laughs> in the kingdom. Plague has affected us now. I mean, it sounds to me like that's, you know, feudal era. Like if you were in the Navy back in 1590, you might have caught the plague. It, but. it really kind of is. I mean, that's where the bubonic plague is famous during the Middle Ages, you know, and it's caused by bacteria on fleas, on rats, typically. Um, but actually, I was just doing some reading, and in the United States, the last time we had a huge major outbreak of the plague was, I believe, in the 20s in L.A., urban rats. Huh. And now most of... The cases of plague in the U.S. are in the western United States because those rats spread to less urban, more suburban, and then more country rats and mice. And so now you get most of the cases in places like New Mexico and Arizona. Hmm. So in no way will you go to a VA facility and be treated by the wizard or the king's constable will look at you. And, no? No, probably not. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, that's still weird. Country redneck rats with some bubonic plague. God. All right. This next one, I'm not even going to say it with a straight face. I'm going to let you start it off. Syphilis. I'm not going to ask too many questions about syphilis because I believe we all know how you get it. <laughs> but uh, is this for someone that had previously contracted syphilis or do you actually have to be amidst a breakout uh, in order to, <laughs> you have to have recently contracted this. Well, I think syphilis is one of those that can have pretty long lasting effects. Y yeah. Um, including death. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I think it, it certainly depends on when you contracted it or when the doctor believes you contracted it because that determines whether or not it's surface connected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it has such long lasting effects, I don't think you have to be actively in the middle of a <laughs> of a breakout. Right. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, uh, you know who you are. We're not going to point any fingers, but, uh, you know, if you uh, spend some time in the P.I. or you were down there in Da Nang, uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s, uh, you might want to, I don't know, just uh, revisit your V.A. benefit Package. And we say all this in jest, but these are very serious illnesses, and, and it's a wonderful thing that people can now get their compensation for them. The article you can find on ConnectingVets.com, search VA, and then you can click on the article entitled, VA Just Updated Its Disability Rating Schedule. And thank you as always, Abby Bennett, enlightening us and letting us know what we need to know. Thank you, Phil. Our next guest on the podcast has 32 years of active duty service in which he received many awards, awards for valor, bronze stars, purple hearts, has led many deployments, survived bomb blasts, firefights, even a helicopter crash. But his biggest fight is against post-traumatic stress, TBI, and the effects of war. I first saw General Don Boldick in a 60 Minutes episode that was talking about the stellate ganglion block a neck injection that seems to be a miracle cure for PTSD. 
It is still experimental. And the doctors and the veterans are telling us that if this is approved, they believe that it will revolutionize the way PTSD is handled. So I'm really pleased and really honored to talk to the former commander of the Special Operations Command Africa, retired General Don Bolduc today, and find out more about this story, more about this treatment, and more about the path that you've gone down. General, great to have you on the podcast. Well, Phil, it's great to be on the podcast, and I want to thank you very much. This is a hugely important topic, and I appreciate you dedicating the time that you dedicate to it. It's really great. As we were just talking, uh, you know, I've covered this. Um, I've covered all different aspects of PTSD treatments. In fact, I was honored to do a, a podcast series called To War and Back, where I chronicled three warfighters, one of whom had both PTS and TBI. And, you know, the struggles that he went through were amazing. Everything from a combat cocktail of medications they gave him that turned him into a zombie. It really opened my eyes about how little is known and how little sometimes is being done. And you've been at the forefront of changing uh, both how we think of this and how the military views this. I want to start by just running through some bullet points with your background Uh, without getting too specific, but share with me just some of the combat deployments that you'd had, some of the things that you were involved with. Uh, I was surprised to learn that it wasn't just three or four deployments that you'd gone on, but that you'd been deployed 10 different times. Yes. uh, Yeah, I have, I have, um, I've been deployed uh, 10 times. Uh, got a total of 66 months in Afghanistan and a total of 81 months in combat through my, my career from, you know, uh, Grenada to the Persian Gulf uh, and, um, you, know, uh, you know, all the way through. So um, it is, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a lot of combat time uh, and it's, you know, it's a lot of different uh, experiences uh, that, um that leave, I think, a mark on your, on your brain and a mark in your soul and, and certainly touches your heart. Right. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, pleasant to see people suffer. It's not pleasant to have, you know, men and women in your charge get, uh, you know, injured and killed, uh, particularly when they're following orders that you've given them. Um, and, uh, it is, um, you know, it's, Nobody escapes the effects of war, um, whether you win or lose, it, it's there. One of the things that we're trying to do now that we haven't done in previous eras, combat uh, veteran eras, is to get people to talk about it, to destigmatize it, to bring a different understanding, to create programs. Because we know through studies going all the way back to antiquity that post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury has a tremendous effect on warriors. Warriors of all nations and warriors of all um, types and sizes, and doesn't really matter. The effects of war are the effects of war. So we know this. And what we didn't do for our Vietnam veterans, what we didn't do for our World War II veterans, our Korean War veterans, our, our World War I veterans, um, I'll just go back that far. Um, sure, sure. Uh, what we didn't do for them was... <clears throat> have these programs in place and encourage them to talk about their stories and to, so they weren't suppressing these, you know, these feelings that interfered with them being the best version of themselves, either there in their personal or professional life. Um, there's a, a big question out there by a lot of naysayers um, about post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury uh, and why this generation of, 
you know, why the post 9-11 generation has so many claims in. Well, they have so many claims in because they're encouraged to do it, number one. There are programs, number two, uh, and that didn't exist before. But we want our Vietnam veterans and our Korean War veterans and our World War II veterans to start talking about it, to to start coming uh, for help as well, um, because it's never too late to ask for help. Now, this is where General Baldock's experience is really key. Because before we even get into the shot in your neck to treat post-traumatic stress, uh, he was one of the first believers in the military of getting his guys the treatment that they needed. When you were, say, in Afghanistan, you were, after seeing things like firefights, uh, mortar blasts, uh, obviously having to deal with personnel losses and casualties, they never, even as an officer or or even a junior enlisted, they, they never pulled you aside and said, hey, do you want to talk about what just happened today? No, that wasn't a thing at all. I mean, they, you just, you know, you didn't, you didn't talk about it. Now, granted, the military got a lot better at, you know, introducing programs, uh, you know, post 2010, but up to that point, you didn't talk about that stuff at all. Right. You just, mm. you just did what you had to do. And then, because what people were finding out, to be honest with you, you know, you had to do these health surveys, right. Before you left. And, and then when you came back, right. And these health surveys, you fill them out and, you know, they ask you the same questions on both, on, on both ends. But what soldiers were finding out is if they answered them truthfully, then they were being removed from their units and isolated from their units and put on non-deployable lists. And, and, and so it, it doesn't take, but that happening a few times and people, you know, you didn't, you didn't tell the truth. I yeah, mean, you, yeah, you, yeah. Took, you took the vanilla answer because, you know, the approach is what is wrong. It's not that we don't have enough programs and it's not, it's not that leaders aren't talking about it. The approach is wrong. The approach of removing someone from their unit, stigmatizing them in that way and then putting them in a non-deployable status. And then if they're in a non-deployable status for a year, then they get processed out of the military. Uh, It it makes it worse for them, right? So, oh, I have post-traumatic stress. It's affecting my family life. I'm not, I'm not very functional at home. I'm not very functional socially. Um, You know, I don't understand why I'm always, you know, angry and, you know, short tempered and lack patience and, you know, all, you know, all these things that are associated with it. And, and I don't want to be in, you know, around crowds. And so that limits what I do with my family. I'm, I'm not very communicative at home. I'm not very engaged at home. I don't want to be bothered. I'm, you know, I'm short tempered with my children. Uh, You know, you know, all these things, I'm drinking too much. Uh, You know, maybe I'm trying to, maybe I'm doing drugs and I shouldn't be doing those. And I know it's a matter of time before I get caught. You know, all these things rolled up into one. So you got, oh, I'm being stigmatized at work. Um, I'm dysfunctional at home. My intimacy factor with, with my wife or my significant other is is non-existent. Um, and, oh, I'm in danger of losing my job. So I can't provide for my family. You know, those three things are a recipe for suicide, right? Uh, and we just have to... St- we just have to develop a process in which we welcome people in. Now, it's not that psychological help or therapy and counseling is hard to find. For the service member, it's available. For the veteran, it's always available. But it's how it's being delivered. Do they force you to get it? Do they encourage you to get it? And will it affect your job? 
I guaranteed people that they wouldn't get taken out of their job, wouldn't get, wouldn't lose their clearance, that they would keep doing what they were doing. Um, and that was, that's not consistent with DOD policy, right? But I did it anyways. And we had great results at, 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 after 26 months, we had a decline in alcohol and drug related incidents. We had a decline in sexual harassment. Well, it went down to zero, uh, in, inside the unit, right? Uh, people, uh, perform better at work. Productivity was better. Uh, balance was better. Families were better. Input from families was good just by destigmatizing it and leading from the top on this, uh, with bottom up, um, with bottom up medical, uh, you know, therapy solutions, hmm. top down support, bottom up medical therapy solutions. It didn't cost any, any more money. It was already in the system. And we sent folks up to Longstool regional, regional medical center and they got, you know, they got treated 52 post-traumatic stress cases, 471 traumatic brain injuries, pain management issues, you know, too numerous to count sleep disorders, uh, that were, um, <clears throat> you know, that were, uh, um, handled and people were getting treatment for, um, and we saw a huge change in 26 months in, 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 you know, special operations command Africa. So that's amazing. Um, it is amazing. It's an amazing thing. And we reported it, uh, and we reported it up and <clears throat> unfortunately, um, it wasn't viewed, um, it wasn't well received. Uh, and, uh, in particular, my vocalness and my openness to talk about my own post-traumatic stress and TBI wasn't received very well at the senior levels either. So, um, uh, but that's where we need to change. You know, the air force has 78, what 78 suicides this year, 18 more than last year. Uh, and, and I can tell you what it's exactly all about. It's, it's, it's the approach. It's the approach in getting people the help they need so they don't commit suicide. It's dealing with the root causes. It yeah. is, it is clear in my mind what it is. And, um, it's just not being, it's just not being dealt with the approach. Uh, you just can't have a program and you can't just tell people to do it. Um, it's not going to work for you. Now, another interesting part of our interview was when the general opened up about what motivated him to want to get therapy. I went through therapy myself because my wife drew a line in the sand. She had been noticing this in me for years, 2006, seven. She was talking to me about it. She studied it a lot. She's a nurse. She got very involved in it. She got very involved in it because she was, um, you know, helping out other wives and you know, they, they would talk about this stuff, but nobody was going for any help, really, mm. right? Uh, 2013 rolls around, my wife draws a line in the sand, and I said, you know what? You're right. I got to go do something. And that general we saw on 60 Minutes in that little segment there where she actually kind of elbowed you there and spoke up about that. Uh, were you exhibiting the same characteristics that you just mentioned a couple minutes ago? Yeah, so I was always hypervigilant. I was uh, impatient. I was always in a bad mood. I wasn't sleeping. I just wasn't a nice guy to be around. Right. Uh, and I wasn't a good version of myself. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't me. Uh, I withdrew socially. I, you know, my wife would go to all the functions. I just, you know, I'd make up, I'd make up work to do. I wouldn't come home. Right. Uh, when I came home, I would isolate myself. You know, it just wasn't functional at home and it's not very functional at work and it's not how leaders are supposed to be. Uh, and 
And so I, you know, I, I mean, I did all that. I was very high functioning, you know, I mean, I did my job, I did it well, but it just didn't lend itself to a very good command climate. Right. Uh, and I said, you know, this has to change. And, and if it's going to, I got to start with myself, right. You got to look in the mirror. So we've heard how general Bolduc is an incredible advocate to get troops, the mental health care that they need, especially at the time they need it. But for the combat veteran, Sometimes therapy is just not enough. Sometimes all the counseling sessions, all the time in the doctor's offices, it just can't fix what's really going on. So I'm going through my therapy, talking to my therapist. Um, you know, we're still not we're still not getting to where we need to where we need to be. You know, in terms of my post-traumatic stress therapy, right? And so... And what did that look um, like specifically? Was it like you were still having nightmares? You were still uh, hypervigilant? I mean, what were the actual things that... Yeah, I just wasn't embracing the therapy completely. And I don't think the nightmares ever go away. You know, you still have them periodically. Of course, they're not as frequent as they used to be, but, you know, I know how to deal with them, right? I I understand that it's, it's natural. It's just a natural state of things. It's how your brain works. It's how your subconscious works. It's, it's okay. Right. Um, and if you know how to deal with it and you, you know how to talk, you know, Hey hon, I had a bad dream last night and it was about this, that, and the other thing. And you know, you're able to talk about because what people don't do is they don't talk about it. Right. They right. think it's all part of their weakness. Right. So anyways, he said, you know, maybe, maybe you should, you know, try this stellate ganglion block because this thing, although it's, it's, it's temporary relief, but you know, my problems were with, you know, severe hypervigilance, you know, in a vehicle, um, you know, loud noises, you know, constantly distracted because, you know, people thought I wasn't paying attention to them, but I was just, you know, scanning the area. Right. Um, I'm still scanning. Right. And, uh, and so it gives people the impression that you're not paying attention to them, which interferes with, you know, your relationships. Right. And so I said, sure. So we went and did it because the great thing about what was promoted in in all this therapy that we had guys was medication was not even on the table. Right. You know, you don't even get on the medication, right. It's, it's, it's the last thing if it's even required. Uh, and so that's a great approach and that should be the reproach. I'm not saying people don't need medication. Some do, but what I am saying is there should be a whole bunch of other things done first before you get put on medication. So anyways, having said that, stellate ganglion blocks, not medication. They, they give you the old neck stick, as we call it. And <laughs> I got to tell you, my, my wife noticed it immediately on the drive home, how much more relaxed I was, how calm I was. It made her calm because it used, you know, my behavior in the vehicle would get her all tensed up. You know, I mean your dog feeds off of your emotions, you know, (laughs) everybody feeds off your emotions. Right. And so it's like, you know, that was something that she noticed right away and the effects lasted, you know, a number of weeks. And so it allows the other parts of your therapy to be, it enhances the effectiveness of them. Right. Cause it puts you in a place where, where you can understand, you know, what the therapy, what the therapist is trying to do for you. Right. And it gives you a, a different way of, of looking at things. Right. And your approach to with people is completely different. And I ended up doing the stellate ganglion block thing twice. It was a great part of our therapy. We've, we've done it with numerous, I mean, it's been done for a long time. 
Why the Army had to spend $2 million on this study is freaking beyond me to know what right looks like. So what exactly is in the stellate ganglion block injection? I can't really tell you. I didn't really care because the effect (laughs) of it was so good that I didn't need to understand the science of it. And I'd never ran into a special operator that didn't think it helped them out. Right. Um, And, you know, Sarah McNary and I have this antidote of this team that we brought in to get the stellate ganglion blocks as part of their therapy. And these guys were were bickering with each other, uh, arguing with each other, poking each other back and forth. Tremendous amount of energy. They weren't able to communicate effectively. And this is a you know this is special forces team, right? Right, right, right. So we right, get them right, we right. get them in their uh, team house. Uh, there at uh, launch stool. We take half the team over to get the stellate ganglion block. Right. We go back with these six guys who are calm, cool, collected completely different people than they were when they went in. It didn't change their, it didn't change them. You know, they were still SF guys, right? But their behavior towards each other was different, right? We get them back in the room and these six guys walk in and the other guys are still all hyped up on top of each other. And the other guys goes, geez, what happened to you guys? Right. (laughs) And they said, well, we just went through the treatment, man. You guys need to get over there ASAP because you're going to love it. So we brought those guys over, and they were just more productive with each other after they all got the stellate ganglion block. It was unbelievable. From what you saw before and then what you saw after was completely, you know, was completely unbelievable. You know, it, it also helps with your fight, your, your fight and flight um, responses, which is really good because it controls them, right? Sure. So you're sure. not always... You're not always looking to be aggressive at a situation. Um, you know, it allows you to be able to think through the situation a little bit more clearly. You know what I'm saying? But doesn't prevent you from acting. You see, it's just a it's just a good therapy that should be part of the toolbox, right? Yeah. And why we're taking so long to do it? You know, I mean, it's it's really amazes me because the military will take shortcuts in fielding malaria medication, FDA shortcuts to do that, not understanding the full implications of the side effects of malaria medications, which we know now are very significant, but yet they'll spend $2 million on something that, you know, has already been medically proven and we already understand that it's going to have a positive effect. It just kills me. Mm. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Why are they resistant to implementing something like this, are, are, are they are they truly waiting for some final study to come out with you know the American Association of Psychiatrists, or is it a monetary thing? I mean, do they do they prefer to give the SSRIs and uh, the benzodiazepines to treat anxiety with uh, with pharmaceuticals? I think there's the macho part of it where um, you know you're 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 weak, and I don't want to have to come to terms with that, right? I think there's this idea that it's going to cost a lot of money, that it's going to inherently affect the warfighting capabilities of, of, of our military, which we know those things are just, you know, it's not valid. Um, huh. I, think, I think they think it's going to cut into training and it's going to make people less, you know, lethal, which is not the case at all. It's going to make them more resilient and therefore your readiness is going to be better. 
and they're going to be more functional and productive when their service time ends and they become veterans. And so both sides are going to benefit from this, right? It's going to drive down the suicide rate. It's going to do a lot of things that a lot of positive things that we that, that we're seeing out there that are now negative. I wish I had a definitive answer because it confuses me why something that is so obvious isn't embraced. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.